Welcome to episode 28 of The Journey is the Reward. The opening music is performed by the Modelizio Youth Choir. I'm Brian Coleman, and I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my miles have been on United Airlines as a member of their Mileage Plus program. As a result of traveling around the world, I've flown over 5 million miles, and almost 3 million of those miles have been with United. This has earned me lifetime premium platinum status. This year, I set a new goal for myself to fly the remaining 300,000 miles in less than 18 months. This will earn me United 1K status for the rest of my life. Along with my co-host, we'll be documenting these remaining miles. On the show, we'll talk about my adventures, the passenger experience, and who knows what all else. The goal is to document the journey as it is the reward. So let's get started. Hi, Micah. I'm back from Africa. Welcome back. And I think, actually, I think we recorded a show since you've been back, but we haven't talked about your trip, and I'm just dying to find out how it went. Yeah, we did. I wanted this to be a surprise to the listeners and pretend that we just got back. But they already know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't fool these people. You guys do know, don't you? I mean, both of you that are listening? I don't know. We'll find out. If anyone writes in, and actually, because we've recorded the shows kind of back to back, we don't have any listener feedback this episode, which is kind of sad. However, it's understandable. Well, yes and no, because we have listener Lou, who never lets us down. That's true. Listener Lou does have yet another question for us. But first, I wanted to make a request of all of our listeners. Please write in. We love hearing from you. It really is a great part of the show to record. And so I've been told some of the flight attendants that I talk with along the way, they are actually listening now. And I would love to hear from the flight attendants and hear their thoughts about the show and about me as a passenger. And even if I haven't been a good passenger, would love to hear that. And would just really love to hear from them. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to point out, we're really in the middle of the holiday season. Hanukkah starts next week. Christmas is uh, 10 days away. And our flight crews are working incredibly hard right now. And our travelers are traveling all over the place. So to the flight crews that are listening, thank you so much for doing what you're doing and putting up with all the service and craziness that the passengers may be giving you. And to the passengers that may be listening, be nice to your flight crews. Be especially nice this week to the flight crews as well as the ground crews. They're working really, really hard. It's the most difficult time of the year. And remember, while you're vacationing, they're working. Keep that in mind. And also when things go wrong and inevitably things will go wrong, the person standing in front of you, it's not their fault. And they can help solve the problem for you. And a little bit of kindness on your part will enable them to work just a little bit harder to solve your problem. So yeah, definitely be nice. Empathy is important. It is. So while you said we had no listener feedback, that's not entirely true because listener Lou, our social media expert, never lets us down. What did listener Lou have to say this week? Listener Lou sent in another audio recording. So let's give a listen. Brian. Now that you're halfway through your goal, have you given any thought to your last flight that'll put you over the top? Do you know the date of your goal-achieving flight? Will you promote this flight and encourage other listeners to join you on this special day? Will United do anything special for you? What are your plans? Listener Lou wants to know. You know, that's a good question. And actually, at this point, you're way more than halfway through. I am. I was really surprised to do the totals. And we'll hear about the totals at the end of the show. I actually have all of the tickets booked and paid for to achieve the full 300,000 miles. So I do know when my last trip is going to be. And do you want to tell us yet? Yes, I do know when the final trip is going to be, assuming everything else happens as planned. So I have a bunch of tickets purchased already. And if I fly on all of those flights, my last trip is going to be on March 26th, and it's going to be a trip to Cape Town, South Africa. So leaving from your home in L.A. and heading to Cape Town, and that's going to be on March 26th? That is correct. That's assuming, again, I fly all the other flights in between. And there are some things that can come up. But right now, actually, it's going to be the return flight from that trip that will put me over the 3 million mile mark. And every time we said 300,000 miles before this, we meant 3 million. But that's okay. Yeah. So I started this year needing 300,000 miles to make 3 million miles. So yes, it's confusing, even to us. 
We're always confused, but <laughs> let's just get this straight. It's going to be your regular, regular. I can't believe that I have a friend that regularly flies to South Africa. <laughs> so it's going to be your regular flights to South Africa, LA to Newark, Newark to Cape Town. Let me ask you this, because this is March 26th, did you say? Yes. So if somebody wanted to join you on that flight, do you think they could book them now? Yeah, they certainly could. And if they send me an email, I will respond to them with the exact flights that I'm on. I think it should be a celebration. Boy, I wish I had the money to be able to go with you. That would just be incredible. I'd meet you in Newark and we would go and celebrate both ways. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it'll be fun. And yeah, we'll see what happens. And I really look forward to if people can join. I really would love to meet up with some people. And even if it's only meeting at Newark Airport, quite happy to do that as well. I wouldn't go to Newark Airport to meet anybody. Well, to meet me, of course you would. No, that's true. But one of the neat things about traveling to Newark and the way I'm going to do this, I'm actually going to fly on the flight before the flight that's really required. I'm not sure if that came out right. I will have an extended period of time at Newark Airport because I'm going to fly on an earlier flight. So if something happens to that flight, I'll still be able to make the next flight from Los Angeles to Newark and still make the connection. And if it doesn't, you'll just have more time in the United Lounge or meeting people outside of security if they're not flying with you. Or even inside security if they get through security and book a ticket and go someplace else. Yeah, absolutely. However it works out. That sounds like fun. So that's what your plans are. What are United going to do for you? I honestly have no idea. I've heard from one of the flight attendants that the flight crew knows when someone crosses one of the million mile marks. So not only the pilots know, but the flight attendants know as well. And they really wouldn't tell me much more beyond that they simply know and they try and make it special for the passenger. Maybe they'll give you the jump seat. Ooh, that'd be fun. I think so. Yeah, especially up on the flight deck. That'd be even more fun. That's the best way. Yeah. But in the meantime, you're back from Africa and you got back just in time to go to Phoenix, huh? Yes, I had the opportunity to book a quick trip to Phoenix because I was a few revenue dollars short of the next threshold. And meeting that revenue threshold, I got 20 plus points. And I just figured it was easy to book a quick trip to Phoenix. It was cost effective. It was available. It just took a few hours to do because the flight connection time was 45 minutes. So got on the plane, flew to Phoenix. When I got to Phoenix, went to the lounge, had a beverage in the lounge, walked back to the gate. It was actually the same plane that I was on that flew back to Los Angeles. Different flight crew, but the same plane. And who knows, maybe those 20 additional plus points that really cost you next to nothing will move you up into Polaris class on your last trip to South Africa to get that 3 million mile mark. I know, that would be wonderful if that happened. So yeah, who knows, looking forward to it. And if it doesn't, then you'll remember that by the time you got to Phoenix, you were crying. Sounds like a song. Jimmy Webb. Well, he wrote it. Glenn Campbell made it famous. But that's another story. Yeah, you have a song for everything. I do. Let's do things a little bit differently and not so much talk about my trip to Africa in the air, but we can spend some time talking about my trip on the ground. Yeah, based on what you told me, it sounds like everything went just splendidly in the air, that everything worked out great. And there's really nothing to report because everything was so good, which is unusual in and of itself. Although you also did one thing that was really smart, similarly to what you did for your last planned trip to South Africa. You ended up booking early, which, by the way, is the name of an album by City Boy. Okay, another song. Wow. Yeah, I did. It's nice on these flights where connection is really important, having a flight in between. So if you miss the flight or there's a mechanical or something happens, there's still another flight for you to get on and you can make the connection. And this is real important to me this time because I was meeting with Scott. So the both of us flew together. So we met at Newark Airport and I wanted to make sure that I was there on time. And I wanted to have that extra flight just in case if something happened to my original flight, which as it turns out was really a good thing that I did because although I ended up traveling on the same flight that I was booked on, that flight was actually delayed. And I thought that I might end up having to change to the other flight in order to make the connection. Well, let me ask you a semi-unrelated question, but at this point, most of our listeners have heard our interview with Steve Carlson from T-Mobile, and they've heard it either with us or on the Airplane Geeks. Mm -hmm. And you packed, because we saw pictures, you packed your T-Mobile uncarry-on. What did you think? Because you were using it for the first time. 
I did. And listener Lou published a picture of the uncarrion under the Christmas tree at the United Lounge. So I thought that was a nice touch that so everyone could see that it's their wonderful, bright T-Mobile magenta color. So it's certainly difficult to lose that suitcase. It was great that it had the built-in air tag, so I really appreciated that. So even though I was carrying the carry-on on the plane, I knew where it was at all times with the Apple air tag. I love the fact that it had an extra long handle because being a tall individual, not kicking the back of the suitcase was really nice. Having the phone charger, I actually used the built-in battery pack and the phone charger. So that was really convenient. So all in all, it's actually a really good case. And I think for the $325 price that they're selling it for, as long as you put up with the color, which again, I think that's a plus for some, might be a detraction for others. I really like the case. It was, yeah, it was, it was a really good case to have. That's great. That's good to hear. And I'm sure that, uh, that our T-Mobile friends will be happy to hear that as well. That's good. So you arrived in South Africa and you got in, if I remember correctly, because you texted me, it was about 8 p.m. South Africa time. Is that correct? I think by the time I got through security and over to the hotel, yes, it was around that time. Well, that's not a bad time to arrive, kind of late dinner time and maybe get to sleep. Did it all work out? At the OR Tambo Airport in Johannesburg, there are two hotels. There's a Crown Plaza that's there, and there's also another hotel chain called City Lodge. And I had booked a room at City Lodge, really mostly because we were just going to sleep there overnight. And it's much less expensive than the Crown Plaza. So we checked into the City Lodge. They have a really nice restaurant in the lobby. And we had dinner, then went to our rooms and went to bed. So kind of an uneventful thing, but it was really nice just having a hotel attached to the airport and we could dine and go to bed. And yeah, it worked out perfect. So basically it was just that one night because you were flying out the next day and you stayed at the airport. So got up the next morning and what happened? The flight was at 11 o'clock, which is the unfortunate part about going to Zambia is, in my opinion, you really kind of lose a day because the flight's in the middle of the day. So you can't do anything in the morning. We got up, get to the airport, try and get into the South African Airways Lounge. And we couldn't because we were flying Airlink, who used to be a partner with South African Airways, but they are no longer. So fortunately, I have a credit card that gives me access to the Priority Lounge. And we went over to the Priority Lounge and had breakfast. So that was kind of nice. And then, yeah, made it over to the gate at 1030-ish for our 11 o'clock flight up to uh, Zimbabwe. Well, that worked out pretty well. And the Priority Lounge was good? Yeah, it was good enough. It's certainly not as nice as the South African Lounge, but it's certainly, yeah, it's good enough. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, they, they had various food items. There was enough for us to eat. The quality was good. There's really nothing to complain about, but there certainly isn't anything over the top special about it either. So this time, instead of flying into Zambia, you decided to save money and go to Zimbabwe. Was it a real savings? Oh, yes, we saved some cash. However, when you look at the time value of money and stress and headache and hassle, no, we didn't. I'm really glad that we did it this way. So now if, when I ever go back to Victoria Falls or I know people that are going to Victoria Falls, I can tell them how the right way to do it is. Because yes, you have two choices. If you fly into the airport in Zambia, you're much closer to the hotels on the Zambian side of Victoria Falls. If you fly into Zimbabwe, you're much closer to the hotels on the Zimbabwean side. However, if you fly into Zimbabwe and want to stay on the Zambian side, you have to get a visa and you have to cross the border. And because there's a single lane bridge that goes across the gorge that's created by Victoria Falls, the line at customs can be quite long and the traffic because of these trucks can be quite long. And especially on the return Getting to the airport on time can be quite stressful. So you have to leave really early in order to make your flight. And I just don't think that the stress is worth the approximate $100, $120 savings in airfare. Well, why did you have to get a visa? Wouldn't they take your MasterCard or Amex? <laughs> this is the other kind of visa for crossing borders. Oh, you mean what Bank AmeriCard changed their credit card name to because it was good for travel. That's it. Exactly. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so we had to get the special visa to cross the border multiple times, and it's a $50 visa, which isn't really that big of a deal when you look at the expense of everything, but it's just one more thing that you have to deal with. And again, when I go back to Victoria Falls, I will absolutely stay at the same property that I stayed at this time and the time before. It's it's a really great property, and it's on the Zambian side, and it's just so much easier to fly into the airport on the Zambian inside. But now you can say you've been in Zimbabwe and you got to see the falls from that side. Was it very different? It is actually. Because I was there in April, May, it was during the rainy season. So the falls were really overflowing. They had more water then than they had in the past several years. This time of year, it's the dry season. And the water on the Zambian side is almost not flowing over the falls at all. There's a lot of exposed area where you can see the rocks of the falls. There's still a fair amount of water on the Zambian side, but it pales in comparison to what it was when I was there in May. So I'm super happy that I was able to walk around the park on the Zambian side and see the falls from there. Oh, well, it's great you got to see it from both sides. And it's sort of, you know, I just thought about this, that Great Falls, like Victoria Falls and Niagara Falls, in both of those anyway, it's different countries on either side of the river, which is kind of amazing how that works. Yeah, it is. I've actually never been to Niagara Falls, but I hear that it's certainly a spectacular natural feature. But the view is different from the Canadian side as it is from the U.S. side. And Where is that again that you're saying? Niagara Falls. Slowly I turned, <laughs> step by step, inch by inch. I'm sorry, had to get that out. And if you're not familiar with Abbott and Costello, look up Niagara Falls, Abbott and Costello, one of the most hysterical bits ever. Yes, yes. That... <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that and oh, cracks me up every single time. <laughs> now, the last time, was it the last time? I remember you staying in a hotel in Zambia. Mm -hmm. by Victoria Falls, that every time you would walk into the lobby, the Mandalitsa Youth Choir would sing to you. It was so fancy. Did you stay there again? I did not stay at the Royal Livingston Hotel this time, but I stayed with their sister property called the Avani. So they share the same property. They're both in the National Park in Zambia. And yes, the Mandalitsa Youth Choir was there and they sang and performed and I was able to get several recordings of them because I told them that I would build a website for them. And Scott, who I was traveling with, is actually a professional photographer, and he ended up taking a whole bunch of photographs of them as well. And those photographs will be featured on the website when it's finally done. Well, you know, you sent me some of those photographs as you were traveling. And my favorite one is there you are at the hotel and there's a giraffe like right next to the hotel. It's like they're <laughs> wandering through the property. It just surprised the heck out of me. A lot of animals there. And I don't mean people like animals. I'm talking about real animals. Yeah, animals, animals. Yeah, there are. And again, because it's part of the national park, the animals can just come and go whenever they want. So yeah, Scott climbed up on the stairs of the, the hotel bungalow and was able to take a head height picture of the giraffe. And I got a great picture of Scott working, taking a picture of the giraffe. But there are also zebra. There are baboons. Impala, crocodiles, there's all sorts of animals that just run around the property. Wow. Sounds just amazing. Just It's hard to believe that those animals are in the wild because most of us here in the USA and in other countries have only seen them in a zoo. So it's hard to believe that there they are just wild and, and, and out there. Just kind of crazy. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes some guests forget that they are indeed wild animals and they'll walk up to a zebra and they'll try and pet a zebra. And zebras can kick really hard. And there have been some injuries of people doing that. And of course, there are signs everywhere saying, don't pet the animals. They are wild, but yet people ignore it and they pay the price when they do. Yeah, it's, you hear about that happening in Yellowstone National Park here in the USA on occasion, too, mm -hmm. which is just really sad. But you did get a chance to reunite with an old friend at the uh, at the Royal. Yes, I was able to meet up with the customer relations manager, Connie, and Connie took care of us last time we were there. And she's just such a warm, kind, caring individual. And she was so excited to see me again. She actually invited Scott and I over to the uh, Riverview Bar 
she invited us to watch sunset with her and i just thought it was so great where we were enjoying our our cocktail watching the sunset and she came over and sat down with us and had a drink with us and we just watched the sunset together so it's such a nice experience i think to develop a relationship with someone and be able to return months later years later and sort of just pick up right where you left off and be invited it's almost like being invited into their home she was just so warm and welcoming it was it was really special Wow. Friends and sunsets and gin and tonics in the Zambezi River. It doesn't sound like it gets much better. Exactly. Not so bad. So you ended up in a fourth country in Africa the next day. We got up early in the morning and went to Botswana to visit Chobe National Park. I had no idea. That, I mean, I knew you, were, you keep saying you're going to South Africa, you're going to Victoria Falls. And I didn't realize that you would also, be, you would be in four countries. I mean, I knew Zambia. I, I guess I kind of knew that, but I didn't realize Botswana was so close. Yeah, they all sort of border each other. So it's not that big of a deal getting there from a time perspective. There's a bit of a deal getting there because of border crossings. We went from Zambia to Zimbabwe, had to cross the border there, then had to cross the border from Zimbabwe into Botswana. It all took a bit of time, but it was relatively easy to do it. An interesting thing about crossing the border into Botswana, they're very concerned about hoof and mouth disease and not only does the car or the truck that you're on have to go through a disinfecting bath, you actually have to get out of the car and step in a bucket of bleach in order to disinfect your feet before they let you into the country. And I thought that was really an interesting thing to have to go through at a border crossing. Just another reason not to wear your dress shoes on safari. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But the safari was actually also a jungle river cruise? Yeah, it was a two-part safari. So part of it was by boat. And you have a much different perspective of the national park when you're on a boat versus being in one of the safari vehicles. So the morning was on a boat and we saw a whole bunch of birds. We got to see crocodile in the water, also sunning themselves on the shore. We got to see hippopotamus both on the water and on land. And it's kind of unusual to see hippopotamus on land during the day because they have very sensitive skin. So they like hanging out in the water. And then we saw a wide variety of antelope. And some of them are really special. They're sort of waterborne antelope. And they will hang out on an island, mostly because they're protected from the cats on the island. But they have a splayed hoof that allows them to walk around on the marsh-type island much better than regular antelope that don't have this special type of hoof. So I found that really interesting. You know, you said hippopotami. And once again, if you haven't heard Alan Sherman's song, One Hippopotami, look that one up too. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like it was it was pretty great to be on the river. Was that your first river cruise in the jungle? Um, for something like this, yes. I've certainly been on river tours before. Last time I was in Zambia, we did the Sunset River Cruise, but this was really a river safari as opposed to just being on a boat cruising around. So it wasn't, I'm assuming it wasn't very much like what you get on the Jungle River Cruise at Disney World. <laughs> well, it's a lot more wild than that, let's say. We had a great guide. They provided uh, beverages on the boat. And actually, it was just Scott and myself on the boat, which was great. So we really had this personalized tour. We didn't sign up that way. It just ended up that way because tourism is still down so much in all of Africa, which is really unfortunate. So they're sort of desperate for tourism dollars. But it worked out great for us that we had this private tour. Sounds just terrific. So that was the full day in the, on the safari? Well, that was the morning. Then we transferred to the land portion. We went to a local bed and breakfast and had lunch there. Then we got on the land safari vehicle and drove around and saw some more animals and had a different perspective of the river. And we ended up having a really interesting experience where an elephant was in must and ended up charging our vehicle. 
And that was an exciting moment, having this huge adult male elephant basically try and attack us. Ooh, that sounds pretty frightening. Yeah, I was really hoping that the driver was not going to stall the truck because had he stalled the truck, we might not be having this conversation right now. The elephant oh got gosh. very close and he was big and he wasn't so happy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, that is kind of scary. And another interesting thing that we saw were two lions. And so there was the lion and I guess a lioness, and it was mating season. A fun fact about lions, when they mate, they will mate every 10 minutes for four days. You haven't just listened to Betty in the Sky with a suitcase, have you? Oh, no, I haven't. Was she talking about this as well? I feel like I'm reliving her <laughs> her, her podcast because uh, in her latest one, yeah, she just got back from Africa and was basically saying some of the same things, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And we got really, really close to these animals as well, probably 10 feet and had the cats decided that they were hungry, we would have been lunch, but I think they were more interested in each other than they were us. But it was just so amazing to see these cats up close and just see how large they are and how powerful they are. It was truly spectacular. Sounds really wonderful. I'm uh, Wow, what a great trip. So that was, what time was that over and what did you end up doing in the evening? Yeah, so we finished up late in the afternoon, drove back, did the border crossings in reverse order, went back to the hotel, and it was time for dinner. And it was a pretty exhausting day. You wouldn't think that sitting in a boat and sitting in a vehicle would be tiring. But when you get up, I think we were up at 530 in order to make our pickup call and do everything and be back by seven o'clock at night. Makes for a really long day. So we were ready for bed. Oh, it sounds like it. You must have slept well that night. We did. And so anyway, so the next day, met with your old friends in the youth choir? We did. That's when we did the recordings and took some still photos and some videos and just had a wonderful time recording them. And I'm really looking forward to going through all the source material and putting together the website for these guys, or guys and gals. They're just a really great group of people. Sounds like fun, although I guess there was some kind of sad news from that group. Yes, there was. I found out the other day that one of the singers unfortunately passed away. It's just so weird seeing someone one day who's so alive and vibrant and performing and doing well, and then a few days later finding out that they passed. And it's just really sad. She ended up going to the hospital with a headache and ended up passing. So not sure if she had a brain aneurysm or an issue with high blood pressure or what it was, but yeah, she's not with us any longer. And that's really, really sad. Well, our condolences to her family and to the Mondalizzo Youth Choir. Absolutely. Thank you. Mike and I have a special request for our listeners. If any of you have the financial resources to contribute to the burial and funeral expenses of the singer of the Mondalizzo Youth Choir, we would greatly appreciate it. Please go to the Patreon page, make a donation. I believe you can put in a special comment there that the funds are for the funeral expenses, and I will ensure that the money gets to them. Thank you so much for your help and support. Anyway, that was the morning. Afternoon, sounds like you were pretty busy. Yeah, we decided to go on a tour of the town of Livingston. We went to the Livingston Museum, which was really a complete history of the town of Livingston, really from the time man first settled there through when Mr. Livingston became the first white person to see the falls until today. And they did a lot of cultural stuff on the Native Africans and how they lived. They talked about Zambia, formerly known as Rhodesia, the transition of government there. So it was a really well done museum and highly recommend anyone in the area to take the time to go see it. And this is the Livingston of Dr. Livingston, I presume, uh, Stanley and Livingston, which is, uh, is fascinating. Yeah. Yep. That's him. There's also a train museum in town. Really? Yeah. So we went to go see the train museum and they have a huge collection of trains there. I was really surprised. And it seemed like every corner you turned, there was an additional train and they must have 
30 to 50 different trains and different train cars and different accessories for the trains. You know, ones that would carry people, one that would carry lumber, one that would carry coal, just all sorts of train cars at the train museum. Well, you know, my friend Eric, who is the president of Bellaterra Publishing, and they publish the Rail USA maps. Eric, maybe you need to start working on the Rail Africa maps. Yeah, sounds like a road trip or plane trip for Eric to get there to see it. And all tax deductible. And then one of the other things that I didn't know existed, but they also have a Jewish museum there. In Zambia? In Zambia. So Rhodesia, way back when... Yes, many of the first settlers were Eastern European Jews. They were evading persecution in Eastern Europe and for one reason or another ended up in Rhodesia, were in the town of Livingston, and there were multiple synagogues there and just a huge, vibrant Jewish population. Either I missed it or the museum didn't do a very good job in explaining, but apparently the Jewish community ended up moving to Cape Town, South Africa. And I believe for better economic opportunities and many of the artifacts that were in the temple were donated to the museum. It was just this incredible collection of Jewish artifacts from really the first settling of the town of Livingston through when the, I guess, second migration to South Africa happened. It was really fascinating. Yeah, it's really amazing that during the, the Great Diaspora, as it's called, many Jews settled in uh, in Africa and uh, many came to the United States. And in fact, I have uh, uh, had a cousin that contacted me from Cape Town. I think he ended up moving to Israel only just a few years ago. But apparently half of my uh, family on my maternal side, uh, actually my, my, yeah, my maternal grandfather's side ended up going to, to South Africa, which is just uh just amazing. And I had no idea that they did it through uh, Zambia or Rhodesia. Yeah, Rhodesia at the time. So Zambia got their independence in 1964. So it was known as Rhodesia before 1964. Was Rhodesia, did it split into Zambia and Zimbabwe? Were they both? Yeah, there's a whole map split up where there was northern Rhodesia and southern Rhodesia. And I don't know exactly how the map got divided. But yes, there were a few countries formed as a result. I didn't realize that. I always thought that Rhodesia became Zimbabwe. I didn't realize Zambia was part mm -hmm. of it as well. That's, boy, this yeah. is a great history lesson <laughs> for me. I'm going to have to read up on this. Yeah, exactly. I just wish that I knew the history a little bit better. When you're there for, oh gosh, an hour and a half, it's really difficult to take in all of the history. Oh, I'm sure. Well, it sounds like you've had a busy day. What else went on? Well, we decided that we were thirsty, ended up going on a brewery tour. Naturally, if there's going to be a brewery in town, <laughs> you're going to find it. And this was a very special brewery in that they brew only for locals. The style of beer that they brew, I have never seen or heard of before. And it was an unfiltered beer. And it really, quite honestly, looked like a bad cup of coffee. It just, this stuff looked not so good. But it was really cool because I got to meet the head brewmaster of the brewery and he ended up telling us about the beer and gave us some to try. And I thought when he offered, you know, would you like to taste some? And I, of course, said, sure, of course I would. I thought he'd come out with an ounce type container. He came out with this 32 ounce pitcher of beer. And that was supposed to be the sample for us to try. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And yeah, this beer, again, was it's kind of like mud. It, so it's unfiltered, has all the yeast in, has all the the it's it's made from ground up corn and it's served warm. And it's just the most bizarre tasting. It, yeah, When they talk about being able to chew a beer, this you could. Well, you know what? I think... Now that I hear it, I was going to ask you a question, but I think you've just answered my question. I think you're describing a beer that's referred to locally as Skokie Ann, which was originally brewed in Rhodesia. And it, at the time was an illegal, self-made alcoholic beverage. It was brewed uh, pretty much just over a day and it contained cornmeal and water and yeast and, uh, and was fermented. And, mm -hmm. and it was just that was what was available. The reason that I know that is crazy why I should know that. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I have a, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, and why do you know this? <laughs> because I have a song for everything. And Skokie Ann is actually one of my favorite, favorite tunes of all time. It was originally recorded in 1947 by the African dance band of the Cold Storage Commission <laughs> of Southern Rhodesia. Uh -huh. Okay. 
and again, Zimbabwe and Zambia were all part of Rhodesia. So I have a feeling this was it. But then again, the version of this song, Skokie Ann, that I love, that I absolutely adore, although the original version that I've mentioned is also great. It's just a fully instrumental. There's also a version that actually has some lyrics that I think were improvised. But it's by Louis Armstrong with the Cy Oliver Orchestra. And that was recorded in the 50s. And you know what? We're going to have to close the show with that. We're going to just fits. And if it's a song that you can hardly not move to, it's just, it's a great song. You'll love it. You'll love it. I know you will. Huh. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to putting that in the beer. I, I can't believe that you knew about this beer, but it was, uh, it was certainly special. Really glad that I was able to try it. I don't think I would ever order it at home. Although I was there when they were filling jugs and you have about this 20 liter jug that they would fill. And I was told that people, when they buy it, will drink the entire thing. So you might have a few friends over and that is just a day's quantity of beer is the 20 liters. And I asked them what the alcohol percent was and the brewmaster didn't actually know. But he assumed that it was between 7 and 11%. So it's kind of high alcohol content. And to go through and drink 20 liters of this stuff, wow. You know, all of a sudden, the Louis Armstrong lyrics are starting to make sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's not bottled. It's not canned. You either buy it in a 20-liter jug or they have 55-gallon barrels. And they fill it that way. And again, I have some photos because they were filling these vessels and... Uh, it was it was a really special place, and I'm so happy that we took the time out of our day to go there, and I'm so happy I was able to try it. Again, not sure I'm ready to drink an entire liter of it, but I'm really super happy about the experience. Wow. I, I'm really happy that you found it, because now, like I said, all of a sudden things make sense. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to listen to the words of the song and yeah, let you know if indeed it's the same product. If you're drinking 20 liters of it, yeah, the words completely make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like a long day, but the day wasn't over yet, was it? It wasn't over because we went on a Sunset River cruise and it was just the perfect way to end the day. The boat that we chose, well, actually Connie chose the boat for us and they had a marimba band on the boat. It was so funny that beer was complimentary. You could get what they referred to as a Long Island iced tea that was complimentary. And I asked them what was in the Long Island iced tea. And it was vodka, sweet and sour mix, and Coke. And I said, okay, well, that sounds good. Can I just have the vodka and Coke? And they said, well, you're going to have to pay for that. I'm like, okay, how about if I have a Long Island iced tea without the sweet and sour mix? And they said, yeah, that's okay. That'll be complimentary. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Jack Nicholson movie. It was just such a bizarre conversation to have with them. Whereas the one drink with mixer was complimentary. The drink without the mixer, I would have had to pay for unless if I ordered a drink with the mixer, but hold the mixer. <laughs> Crazy. It was it was such a bizarre experience ordering those drinks. But then, yeah, Scott and I had just a great time sitting on the boat, watching just watching the day pass and the sunset. And it was supposed to pour down rain and it didn't. So the weather gods held out for us and we just had a spectacular two days so far. Sounds absolutely wonderful. But there's still more. You had one more day. We didn't. So we got up early in the morning the next day and it was pouring down rain. It was raining so incredibly hard. Just all the weather that we were supposed to have that didn't show up, it saved and it just rained down on us. But fortunately, it was a really quick passing storm. So by the time we ended up getting getting dressed and, and met for the, for the day, it had mostly cleared up. So it was just really a very light drizzle and then stopped. And fortunately, Connie again met us and we walked over to... Victoria Falls, this time, of course, on the Zambian side. And we walked along the river's edge for a bit, crossed. There's an area called the Rainforest, and there's a pedestrian bridge that you could cross to get over to the Rainforest area, walked around there for a bit. She told us some of the history of the falls. And then there's a special area down at the bottom of the gorge called the Boiling Pot. So we walked all the way down the falls to the Boiling Pot met a really nice guy who was a river guide 
And he had been running river rafts for 14 years, guided river adventures. Unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to go on the river raft with him because Scott and I had a flight back to Johannesburg later on that afternoon. So we did the hike back up the wall of the gorge and oh my gosh, my thighs burned so much. I think for the next two days, my thighs hurt because it was such a steep climb going uphill. Wow. Well, you got your workout. That's for sure. Yes, I did. Didn't miss the gym while you were in Africa. <laughs> Didn't need the gym while I was in Africa. We did so <laughs> much walking and the climbing of the last day. Yeah, that did us in. But the views were spectacular. It was well worth it. So every bit of pain that my thighs gave me, absolutely worth it. So you had brunch and you flew back to Johannesburg. You know, what I meant to ask you is yeah. what airline and what type of aircraft were you flying back and forth from Johannesburg to Zimbabwe and then from Zambia back to Johannesburg? So it was on a commuter airline call or a regional airline called Airlink. And they fly Ember Airs, and we were on a 170 in one direction and a 195 in the other direction, and I can't remember which was which. Pretty similar aircraft, and uh, I think if you're certified in one, you're certified in the other as a pilot. I've always found them very comfortable. Yeah, it really was comfortable. And one of the things I was surprised at, on the way down, they made me check the suitcase. It wasn't a very full flight, but I just figured, well, the overhead bins are going to be small. Therefore, they're going to make me check my T-Mobile case, which was fine. You know, you drop it off at the air stairs because they were air stairs and, you know, pick it up at the air stairs when you land. Not a problem. On the way back, I thought I was going to have to check my case. And they said, no, no problem. The plane was actually more full of passengers on the way back. And I look at the overhead bin and I said, no way in the world is my bag ever going to fit in there. I'm going to have to gate check this. It's going to be a pain, but nope, the bag fit. It was snug, but it fit. I didn't have to bend anything out of the way. It just tightly squeezed right into the overhead bin, closed the door without a problem. And I was so happy that my T-Mobile bag was able to fit in the overhead. Hey, T-Mobile, the uncarrier and the uncarry-on comes through again. That's great. Yeah, it did. So that was fun. Yep. Make it back to uh, to Johannesburg. Clear customs, I assume, easily without any problem? Yes and no. The problem was there was only one person working the counter, so it took a long time. But that ended up kind of being a good thing because we land around 3 o'clock. Our flight out wasn't supposed to be until 8 p.m., so we had plenty of time to make our connecting flight. Except once we landed, we found out that our plane was actually rescheduled for a 10 p.m. departure, so we have an extra two hours to spend at the airport. So taking the extra time at customs and integration wasn't a problem. Let me ask you a question. Were you using Flighty or were you just using the United app? I'm curious if you got the notifications in Africa about the delayed flights on Flighty. I actually wasn't using either because I just looked at the board and saw that the board had changed the flight. My phone was actually put away because you're not allowed to have your phone out when you're going through customs and immigration. Gotcha. Yes, there was both a notice for from United and Flighty by the time I looked at my phone, but I found out simply by looking at the board. Gotcha. Okay. So now you have seven hours to kill. Yeah. What did you end up doing? Yeah. So we find a masseuse at the airport and we have a chair massage, which was really a nice way to spend some time and end the trip. So had a shoulder, neck, back massage in the massage chair. The women who worked on us were absolutely hysterical. We have some photographs of that as well. I think one of the things that I like most about Africa in general, certainly South Africa, is the people in the hospitality business are so polite and gracious and happy and just really go out of their way to provide customer service. It's just such a joy to be with them. Okay, so the massage is over. That probably was, you know, couldn't have been more than an hour at the very, very most. What happened after that? Oh, we decided to walk around and check out some of the shops and duty-free stuff. And it's really interesting, I think, being an American, looking at duty-free stuff, because most of the stuff that you can buy in a duty-free shop is actually less expensive here in the U.S. than it is in duty-free. So it just doesn't make sense to, at least for me, it doesn't make sense to buy anything in duty-free. So we walked around, looked at some of the shops for a bit and said, eh, 
we don't need anything. So we went to the South African Airways Club. Oh, good. You were able to get into that this time. Yeah, because we were flying on United. There was no problem whatsoever. And the woman who was working the front desk had remembered me from the other day when I was there trying to get in when we were flying on Airlink and had a joke or two with her. That was a lot of fun. I gave Scott a tour of the lounge. We had a snack, a drink or two. We met an absolutely wonderful waitstaff person who took care of us. It just had the best personality. I was joking around with her saying, hey, what I'm going to do is is go sneak into the other club. And she goes, what? You can't do that. I said, wait, if I'm not back in, in an hour, just call the police. I've been arrested and you know they'll, they'll have to get me out of jail or something. And she goes, okay, fine. So I take Scott, we go over to the their first class lounge or business class, first class lounge. It's called the Platinum Lounge. Go over there. I talk to the woman. I say, hey, we. I know we're not allowed to be in here, but can we just do a quick tour of the Platinum Lounge? She says, yeah, not a problem. Just you know, don't disturb anyone. We get over on the other side. It's this really super nice lounge with showers. They have a cigar bar. They have all the stuff that you would expect in a high-end first-class lounge, except there are no passengers there. The room was completely empty. Oh, my. <laughs> and they had all the staff there. So they had they had bar staff. They had food service staff. They had all these employees standing around waiting on absolutely no one. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah, so I ask if we could order a drink at the bar, and they say, of course. And I really believe that they were quite happy to have us there, just have someone to talk to. Sure. So we, so we sat there for a while and had a drink and finished it up, thanked them, said that we really didn't belong, that we'd have to go over to the other side. And they said, oh, no, you don't have to go. But we said, well, no, we promised the other lady that, that we would. So we go back out to the checking counter thanked her for allowing us to, to go in. She said, no problem at all, went back into the lounge saw the person who was taking care of us before. And she goes, I was just about ready to call the police. I thought you were arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a good time had by all. It was it was just an awful lot of fun to hang out and just experience life and share stories with people. It just amazes me that with all the flights going out of Johannesburg, that that lounge was totally empty. I don't know. I would just expect if you were a first class or a business class passenger, you would know that it exists, but everyone was in the general side of the lounge. I, I truly don't know why. It was just strange. And yeah, the South African Airways has an awful lot of flights. Plus, if you're Star Alliance Gold member or higher, you have access to that lounge. So if you're traveling in business class, and unfortunately, Scott and I were not traveling in business class, we were in premium economy, we would have had access to the lounge legally. But aren't you Star Alliance Gold? No, you could go into the lounge with gold status, but you have to go in the the lower end side, oh, if see. you will. Oh, say, I see. So if you're not actually in business class, you can't get into the platinum. Correct. So it's almost like United with the club versus, versus the Polaris. Polaris Lounge, right? So this is gotcha. their version kind of of a Polaris Lounge, right? Dedicated to business class and first class passengers. You ended up getting on the plane, obviously, without any problem. You were there yep. in plenty of time. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> it was 787s back all through the USA. So you're flying back out of 787. Yep. Now, were you in premium economy all the way around or just on the way back? Yeah, there and back. It was just easier. It, it was affordably priced just to buy the premium economy ticket. Unfortunately, because I was traveling with Scott, I didn't have enough plus points for both of us to get upgraded. So we just sat in the purple seats the entire time, so, which was fine. It, it was the staff on the plane, the flight attendants did a great job, and I have no complaints whatsoever. And really, the big difference is that you're sitting next to someone and you can't lie flat. But otherwise, the seats are better. The service is the same. The food is the same as They're when you would have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The only problem is we had really strong headwinds flying back to Newark. Therefore, we landed late. Now, I only had an hour and a half connection time between Newark and Los Angeles. And I was concerned that I was going to misconnect. And when I get to immigration, they tell us that the global entry machines aren't working. So therefore, we have to do the manual process and talk with an agent. 
Oh my gosh, that drives me crazy when that happens. Well, we were still in the global entry line, except there was only one person working the counter for global entry, whereas the regular line, they had probably 10, 15 agents working there. So had we yep. gone to the regular line, we would have gotten through faster. And normally this wouldn't be a problem, except I only had a, an hour and a half connection time. Oh gosh. So did you make it? Well, there was a bit of a rush. Uh, we landed in Terminal B for those familiar at Newark Airport. So I landed in Terminal B. My flight to Los Angeles was at Terminal C. So I had to go out, take the air train to Terminal C, go through TSA again and make it to the gate. And by the time I made it to my gate, they were boarding zone three. So yes, I made it, but I consider that a just barely. That's uh, pretty close. Now, where was Scott based out of? Where did he end up going after he got to Newark? Yeah, he actually lives in New Jersey, so he was he was done. He went to the parking lot. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so he just picked up his car and drove home. Now, unfortunately for Scott, he actually had to work that day, which meant we we had to behave ourselves on the plane ride coming home. So we mostly slept on the on the flight coming home. There was there was very little conversation or interaction on the on the return trip. Well, you were exhausted because you still yeah. it was pretty much that same day that you hiked Victoria Falls. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely. But so you made it in time. You're in the purple seats on the way back to L.A.? Yep. Yeah. Comfortable, and no problems. Yeah, comfortable, crew. no problems. Good crew. Yeah, everything Everything was fine. It all worked out. Really a good trip. Sounds good. No problem. And everything was on time? Well, we were a little bit delayed getting into Los Angeles. This created a fun, uh, fun's not the right word. It created an opportunity for a story. So because we were late, they, of course, make the announcement saying people in Los Angeles who are staying here, please stay seated, allow the people with really tight connections to allow them to get off first. So they made the announcement and a few people, I think, remained seated. But for the most part, everyone stood up and being in the purple seats, I had a really good view looking up the aisle to through business class. So they were deplaning through L1. So the very first door. This woman behind me says, oh, excuse me, can I get past you? Because I have a really tight connection. And I said, sure, but the aisleway's full. There's really no place for you to go. And she says, oh, but they made an announcement to allow all of us off the plane. And I have a tight connection. I said, yes, I understand that. However, I'm assuming all the other people standing in the aisle have a really tight connection too. Therefore, they're not going to let you past. And the flight attendant was standing really close to me who said, yes, there are many people on this plane that have really tight connections. You're just going to have to wait. And she said, but they made an announcement. I need to get off. And it was just sort of this back and forth conversation over, yeah, I'm sorry you're stuck where you are, but the 50 people in front of you, I'm certain are not going to move because they have planes to get to as well. Yeah. The 50 people in front of you are also moving as fast as they can. So yeah. you'll just have to wait until there's a spot in the line. Yeah. Yeah. It Craziness. was, yeah. I think we talked about on last week's show, sort of crazy stories or, you know, unfortunate things that happen on aircraft. Well, this is yet another this one of those one where, of <laughs> yeah, I just can't believe this is going on. Well, it sounds like it was a great trip and uh, you must be happy to be home though, because it was uh, it was a long trip. It was an action-packed, fun-filled trip over a short period of time. So it was only five days in total and we did an awful lot in those five days. So yes, being home, being able to rest. I'm not doing any more travel through the end of the year. Through the end of the year. That's two weeks from today. <laughs> yep. I'm taking the rest of the year off. <laughs> Yeah, so really looking forward to that and starting back up on this crazy adventure in January. I think that brings us to uh, sort of the closeout of the show, more or less. So yeah. if listeners are enjoying this and if we you're happy, where how can they support us? The best thing to do is go to your podcast player of choice and give us a five-star review and leave a comment. We really like reading the comments and giving a five-star review enables other people to find the show as well. And if you can't give five stars, we don't want any stars. We don't want to know. That's not exactly true. If we've done anything to offend you, you can always write, I am really offended at yahoo.com. But seriously, we do love hearing from you. And that email address, if you want to write to us, is brian at thejourneyisreward.org. That's true. 
we said last week, or I said last week, that I was going to find the names of the Patreons, and I was only partially successful with this because on the Patreon website, I cannot find the names of people that have made a one-time donation. I can only find the names of people that have signed up and give on a monthly basis. And really want to acknowledge everyone who has contributed to the production of this show. Your support is greatly appreciated, but the three patrons who are currently giving are Vin, Philip, and Hendrick. And I know there are others that have contributed through Patreon, but these are just the current recurring patrons, and we thank all of you so very much. We thank Finn and Philip and Hendrick for your continuous support. And we thank everyone else. We wish we had your names. But if you do want to support us, Patreon is one way to do it. And is there another link on the uh, on the website? Well, it's the same link where if they want to just give a one-time donation, you, they could do a one-time donation. And again, I apologize for not having those names of those people that have given a one-time donation. And the money has gone towards the media server, the web hosting server, the software that we use to do all of this craziness. So thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you're really angry about that, that we didn't mention your name, that's I am really offended at yahoo.com. We do check that. And then I'll mention your name on next week's show. So not a problem. Absolutely. Now, you also do personal courier service. And if you want to, you can travel with Brian just like Scott did. Yeah, although the opportunities for those are really becoming fewer and fewer because I do have all of my required tickets purchased already. So the itinerary is set for it all. But yeah, if you want to be like Scott and fly with me on any of these upcoming trips, you're absolutely welcome to to join. Just send me an email at Brian at the journey the reward.org and i will give you the contact information and hopefully you can you can make it now listener lou takes care of our social media and you can follow us on twitter for as long as there is a twitter at tjit <laughs> reward that's uh, the journey is a reward tjit reward on instagram it's brian global traveler and on facebook it's Brian, the journey is a reward. If you want to follow me just directly, and who knows why you would, but I'm on Twitter as well for as long as it's there. And you can follow me there at Mainfly. That's M-A-I-N-E like the state. Fly, F-L-Y, at Mainfly. And I'm also on Mastodon. And I don't know how to use it exactly yet, but on Mastodon, I'm Mainfly, the same as Twitter, at Mainfly, at twit.social. And that's how you can find me there. So, Brian, what are the numbers looking like? Well, before we get to the numbers, I just want to say that Listener Lou tells me all the time that you are very active on Twitter and comment or like or forward or whatever you do on Twitter with the post that she puts out. So thank you so much for being active on Twitter, Micah. Somebody's got a tweet. <laughs> and, and it's up to you. So as far as the standings, I was at 2,887,503 miles. And after the trip to Africa and, oh, the very short trip to Phoenix, I am now at 2,909,391 miles. So that means I have an entire 90,609 miles to go. Wow. Unbelievable how far you've come and how little left you have to go. But Boy, there's still some button seat miles coming up, that's for sure. Yeah, in a year, I've flown really close to 200,000 miles, which is pretty darn amazing for really what I would describe as manufactured travel, all for this goal. So yeah, it, it amazes me that I've flown so much and have so little to go. It, it's been a journey. So where is the next trip to? The next trip will be in January, and I'm mixing it up a little bit, believe it or not. I'm going to be going to Tahiti. Then later on in the month of January, I'll be doing yet again another quick trip to Singapore, where I will be spending an entire 14 hours on the ground in Singapore. Well, as we know, that gives you enough time to really get in trouble if you want to. <laughs> That it does. And listener Matt's going to, he's agreed to meet with me again. I actually have a bottle of booze that I'm going to be bringing to Matt. So he put in a request for a bottle of booze and that'll be delivered. So come on, we need to know what kind of booze he's getting this time. It's actually not all that exciting. It's a bottle of. It's exciting enough. Okay. There's nothing wrong with. Yeah. Anyway, I don't drink that stuff. So I have no idea. You only drink clear liquors, as I remember, if I remember correctly. That is correct. 
fortunately, I'm I'm not beguiled by that problem. <laughs> and to close this episode, because I mentioned Skokie Ann so many times, for the outro this week, we're going to play the song. Skokie Ann, we're going to play the Louis Armstrong and the Cy Tolliver Orchestra version. One of my favorite tunes of all times. I hope it becomes one of yours as well. It's a long song, so if you get bored, you can always fast forward and end the show. But we're going to play it out. And there's a lot of instrumentals before it gets to the lyrics and he, to hear Louis Armstrong singing. But again, here's Skokie Ann by Louis Armstrong with the Cy Tolliver Orchestra. <laughs> Skokie, Skokie, and Okie dokie, anybody can Oh, far away in Africa Happy, happy Africa This ain't a bing, a bing, a bing They have a ball and really go Skokie, oh, take a trip to Africa Any ship to Africa Come on along and learn the name Beside a jungle bungalow Drumming, hot strings are strumming, and warm lips are blissful. They kiss full of Skokie and the If you go to Africa, happy, happy Africa, you ling along like a king, oh, right in the jungle, along the low. Skokie, 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 and Okie Dokie, anybody can. Skokie, Skokie, man, a man, a man. You sing a bing, a bing, a bing, oh, and hokey pokey smokey and...
from Portland, Maine. This is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. I was there. I forgot to click join. Hate it when that happens. I was sitting there waiting for you and waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> and then nothing. <laughs> Too funny. All right. So I do know when my last trip is going to be. And do you want to tell us yet? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. The exact dates. Uh, hold on. Darn it. Here, I thought I was so prepared. There it is. Okay. So yes, I do know when the final trip is going to be, assuming everything else happens as planned. So I have a bunch of tickets purchased already. And if I fly on all of those flights, my last trip is going to be on March 26th. And it's going to be a trip to Cape Town, South Africa. It's going to be your regular flight to South Africa, L.A. to San Francisco. Nope. San Francisco. To, no? Nope. It's L.A. to Newark. Newark to Cape Town. L.A. to Newark. Newark to Cape Town. Yeah. Okay. And let me just, okay. So it's a little different than what you've been flying before. You're going to go nope. direct. Oh, no? No. Okay. Singapore is through San Francisco. Africa's through Newark. Okay. All right. Then let me start this again. Yep. So it's going to be your regular flights, L.A. to, one more time. <laughs> But you know what's really amazing? Oh, wait a minute. Bad segue. And you got back just in time to go to Phoenix, huh? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, sorry, I forgot where I was. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows? Maybe those 20 additional plus points that really cost you next to nothing will book. Oh, God. To what you have booked on your last trip. Oh, God. <laughs> trip or tripe. <laughs> yeah. You want to check your phone? No. Oh, you could hear it ringing? Yeah, I could hear it buzzing. Oops.